Nearly 40,000 National Guardsmen get their pay and benefits cut due to not taking the COVID vaccine. And the National Education Association proposes a resolution that would change the word mother to birthing parent, as well as instituting a national mask mandate. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Well, here we are again. I didn't come prepared once again. Although I do have something, like a little something. It's like small talk. Ooh, let's hear that. Well, we just had some small talk. Or are we cutting that out? That gets cut out. <sighs> That's all. Yeah. Like I, I, put, like, I put my energy into it. Well, someday, I said maybe someday we'll do like a, a B-roll or a blooper reel or something okay. something like that. But uh, I saw a story today, and it, this obviously won't be a long conversation, but I thought this was interesting that, <clears throat> that a uh, major brand or I guess you could, a major restaurant chain actually made a statement like this. Apparently, Justice Kavanaugh was having dinner at Morton's Steakhouse in D.C. I think this was l- earlier this week. I, I don't J- July 6th, I think. He was having dinner at Morton's, and apparently someone found out, and a small Antifa group <clears throat> called Shutdown D.C. knew about it. And they sent out a tweet and said that everybody should join him, quote unquote, join him. So this whole, I say a whole group, I don't know how big it was, but a group of protesters. <laughs> they come over for dinner. A group of protesters came over for <laughs> dinner, yeah. And they um, like bombarded the restaurant basically while, while he was having dinner and to the point where he had to sneak out the back door. <clears throat> but Morton's made a statement and they said, quote, Honorable Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh and all of our other patrons at the restaurant were unduly harassed by unruly protesters while eating dinner at our Morton's restaurant. Politics, regardless of your side of view or views, should not trample the freedom at play of the right to congregate and eat dinner. There's a time and a place for everything. Disturbing the dinner of all of our customers was an act of selfishness and void of decency. Well, thank you, Morton's. I know. Yeah. I was like, agree. Showing a little courage. A large restaurant chain, like, actually came out and... Told the sh- truth. Showed some Okay, we're starting, to, we're starting to see little elements of that here and there, aren't we? Yeah. Wow. So, I thought that was interesting. Isn't there a Morton's in Nashville? There somewhere was. Now? Is there still? I don't know. Used to be downtown. I've just been there once. Yeah. Like on, tr- on Church Street or yeah. something? I don't know yeah. if it's still there or not, but yeah. I feel like I want a steak. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go get Morton's. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Anyway, we had two topics we want to talk about today, right? Which one do we want to hit yes. first? Um... I'll leave that to Kevin. <clears throat> well, I was going to say, we'll punt to Gary and let him address oh. the issue of the National Guard. We're not going to play tennis, guys. <laughs> when, are you, when are you guys going to take the Wait, ball? Punting, no. Wait, punting no, is Kevin. football. <laughs> I know, but you're going back and forth. All right. The, the only reason I said that is because we'll come back, a uh, little tease, and talk about the proposals, the outrageous proposals made by the NEA, the National Education Association. But, um, yeah, I think we should lead because it'll take more time to discuss. Uh, we get in the weeds of... The Tennessee National Guard issue, which is an issue in all states with mm. regard to vaccine mandates and um, exemptions for guardsmen and how they're going to get paid if they don't take the jab. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kick off on that then. We'll talk about the Tennessee National Guard. And, and look, the reason I, I dove back into this today is because I saw some um, news reports on my feed. I think the the Tennessee Star had an article. There are some There's some leadership here in Tennessee that's calling for the General Assembly to call itself into a special session to deal with the 
vaccination requirements that are coming upon the ten, our, our National Guardsmen. And I, I thought to myself... But this isn't new, right? Like, th- these requirements have been there for what? For, for a while. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's new in the sense that everybody cares now because the deadline for them to be vaccinated was June 30th, which is now just recently passed. Of this year? Yeah, just oh. now. Yeah, so this okay. just happened. All so right. the deadline just passed. And, um, you know, the estimation was that if this if this wasn't stopped, that we would potentially lose 10 percent of our National Guard. And it remains to be seen how many guardsmen will actually not comply, because right now they're facing losing their job. I think I'm pretty certain as of right now today, they're not being paid. So as of June 30th, their pay has been cut off. And um, it brought it back up for me because I'm thinking, okay, well, you're calling for a special session. Well, what does that mean? Wait what? a second. I <laughs> I have to ask this question. We don't do special sessions in Tennessee unless it involves a multinational corporation, do we? Unless we want to give them a billion dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> one could consider the federal government a multinational, multi-billion dollar <laughs> corporation. This is true. <laughs> this is true. But we're not talking about giving <clears throat> our money to the federal government like we did with Ford. We're, That's in true. this instance, we're talking about losing taking money and yeah, how, yeah. how are we going to yeah, do that right. how are we going to do it? which which we don't like to do our our administration applauds the fact whenever we quote unquote bring home the bacon uh from the federal government which we all know if you listen to this podcast comes with strings attached that we prefer not to have and it's our money anyway that's right um so so what i did was I've, I've, i'm trying to determine and where where are we at with the situation and what i found i mean i think the only real thing we have in front of us right now that has any movement to us to it is a lawsuit that was filed by Governor Greg Abbott of Texas and the governor of Alaska. Sorry, Alaskan governor, I can't remember your name right now. <laughs> but uh, those two states uh, filed a lawsuit against Biden and the federal government over this order in order to protect their National Guardsmen and their rights to make their own health care decisions. And that lawsuit, by the way, I think was filed last December. It was filed months ago. Well, of course, in in fashion, as the clock is ticking, the federal judge in Texas issued an order on June 24th, uh, just days before the June 30th deadline, and refused to step in and place a stay on the mandate. And so the guard is still under the mandate. And and I wanted to, to talk about some of the things the judge said because it, it hints to where we are and the problems that we face. And I wanted to opine on what I believe the General Assembly actually could do if it did call a special session mm-hmm. to protect the guardsmen. And Kevin, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to give you this and let you. We, we this is this is going to be Kevin off the cuff. Oh boy, Uh-oh. I don't even have cuffs today. I'm a short sleeve. <laughs> is, like, is that like a spinoff podcast? Right. Kevin off, off the cuff. Off the cuff. <laughs> well, off that the cuff could get Kevin. really interesting. Well, the I, I, I've seen this in several of uh, not say several in the three or four court opinions I've looked at that have dealt with these vaccine mandates. The judge is is giving an opinion, and he's. They're starting from somewhere, right? They're starting from something they believe in order to issue their opinion. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this now three or four times. And so literally on page one in the second paragraph of this judge's opinion, he states, 
Scientists have now developed COVID-19 vaccines after going through multiple clinical trials to ensure they are safe and effective. Wait, what What clinical trials? <laughs> the one that's happening right now as in, right. in real time? Right. Uh, they, they have ensured they are safe and effective. Two COVID-19 vaccines have received full FDA approval for adults and certain minors. So, you know, again. So at the outset of this opinion, we know the worldview of the judge. Yes. Is yeah. that is that COVID was a health issue, not a government tyranny issue, that um, the vaccines, quote-unquote, are really vaccines and not toxins, right? Gene-altering toxins. And they've accepted that at the outset. That's the premise of the entire—I can tell you what's coming. Yeah. Once they said that as a premise, it's just like that letter that um, Jack Johnson sent out to and all of his other fellow senators saying that, you you know, even though we believe in freedom, we really think you should take the jab because it's, quote unquote, safe and effective because that's what they read on the well, CDC Well, Kevin, website. it is a vaccine because they ultimately successfully changed the, the meaning of what vaccine, that's the word right. vaccine is. Right. So it is a vaccine now. So we're starting <laughs> we're starting from the premise that COVID is killing everyone and that these vaccines are safe and effective and that they have full... FDA approval. Okay. Of course, that makes it that makes it so. If it has FDA approval, then Gary, why would you possibly object? Right. What could go wrong when you put a government bureaucracy behind something? Yeah. So, well, and rights don't matter anymore. Um, he continue. I'll I'll opine on a few other things before I get into the the nitty gritty. Um, here's another thing he says, which again, I have seen this in at least one other opinion, and this is why. For two years now, Tennessee Stan's mantra has been, do not comply, Mm -hmm. because they will use your compliance against you. So the judge is making this reasoning now on page four of his opinion. For the past several decades, the military has required at least nine (laughs) immunizations, such as an annual flu shot. So the judge is saying, look— We've already accepted the fact that the military can mandate vaccines, and, then, and we, we take the flu shot every year. So so why not the COVID shot? Yeah, and that's that's actually what a lot of lawyers have tried to do in denying religious exemptions, which by law they are required to just accept. When someone says, I have a good faith um, religious reason for not taking this drug— they're not allowed to inquire as to the credibility, according to them, of your religious belief. But what lawyers have done is exactly what this judge is doing. And they have said, well, have you taken other vaccines, right? Have you taken the polio vaccine? Have you taken a flu shot? And, you know, the uh, rubella, what, what mm-hmm. is the MMR, right? Yeah. Mumps, mm-hmm. measles, measles, yeah. rubella. Yeah. And they try to use that because clearly what they're doing is, as you um, said, John, we've changed the definition of of what the COVID vaccine is, and we've changed the definition of vaccine so that people can try to just make a simple argument. Oh, you've taken all these other drugs, so why won't you take the death drug? Well, because it doesn't work. Yeah. How about that? And <laughs> not only doesn't it work, it causes a host of other problems. Yeah. Myocarditis, among many others. So this is this judge's sort of view on things. Mm -hmm. This is his premise he's working off of. But he makes some what I consider to be sort of intelligible arguments lately. Uh, We're moving away from just the the public health crisis. Uh, And we start to get into the nitty-gritty of, well, what is the National Guard and who controls the National Guard? And and here's the thing. Interestingly, um, the when you look, there's two titles in our United States Code that defines the powers of um, who the, what the National Guard is and who controls it. 
And, in, and Title 10 describes the federal control of the National Guard. And Title 32 of our United States Code really details what the National Guard is and the state powers of the National Guard. So the judge acknowledges on page two of his opinion, authority to govern the militia, which, by the way, our Tennessee state constitution references the Army, the Navy, and our state militia, and our United States Code literally in Title 32 defines the Army National Guard as the state militia Mm -hmm. under control of the state until it is so called upon by the federal government. So the judge says, authority to govern the militia when called into the actual service of the United States is entrusted to the president of the United States, U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 2. But when the militia is not called into national service, federal officials lack the power of governing the militia. Instead, the power of governing such a militia, albeit pursuant to federal discipline, rests with its commanders under state law. So what I want everyone to understand right now is our Tennessee National Guard has not been called upon active duty to serve the United States of America. Mm-hmm. We are currently not in a, a active situation where we are under mm-hmm. federal control to fight a foreign or domestic enemy, which means currently today, Per Title 32 of the United States Code, our Tennessee National Guard is under the command of our state. And now you have to go to the Tennessee State Constitution, Article 3, Section 5, which defines the powers of the executive branch, the governor of the state of Tennessee, clearly states that the commander-in-chief of our Army, Navy, and our state militia is the governor. So right now, it's important that every Tennessean understand, right now, today— the commander-in-chief of the Tennessee National Guard. The, mm-hmm. Let me clarify. The commander-in-chief of the Tennessee Army National Guard is Governor Bill Lee. Mm-hmm. That's where we sit today. So for so long as the federal government doesn't call them into active service, which, by the way, concerns me about that opinion. That's always when you – when governors like uh, Greg Abbott resort to the courts rather than just having the courage to do something himself – you leave yourself open not only to a badly written opinion based on a bad premise, but you leave yourself open to if I'm the Biden administration, I would just say, well, we're going to either by technicality or otherwise call them all into service and therefore require the jab. Right. I have a question. Yeah. Let's say hypothetically <clears throat> we have a um, – I don't know. So hypothetically we have a civil war. Can the federal government call – specific states national guard into service <laughs> when was the national uh, above and, above and beyond what the state actually wants to do so let's just say georgia for example doesn't want their national guard to fight a specific war that the federal government has waged the, the state of georgia doesn't have a choice that's correct okay and right. and i'll get to i'll get here's why and this is what's going to lead into I think, a more in-depth conversation. The reason is federal funding. The reason is always money. And if you look back through everything we've experienced in the past two years, 
Why are we following these mandates? Why can we not get these masks off of our kids in schools? Why are these protocols continuing to move forward in our hospitals even though they're not working? Why was the state itself operating under executive order after executive order for 22 months? Yeah. Under, in a, under a fake emergency. Yeah. Federal funding. Yep. Federal money. And so what this judge, um, I'll read a statement starting on page two. Regardless of whether the militia is called into national service, Congress has the separate power to spend federal funds for the common defense and put conditions. Let me read. Let me read that again. Mm-hmm. Congress has the separate power to spend federal funds for the common defense. Here's the kicker. Listen to what I'm about to say. And put conditions wow. on that federal funding. All right. So. Here's the conversation we need to have. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> let me make a let me let me broaden this out a bit. Tennessee in the last legislative session of 2022, the 112th General Assembly, passed a budget for the next fiscal year that is roughly 53 billion dollars. So for the next fiscal year, the state of Tennessee will operate on a budget of $53 billion. All right. Estimated of that budget, of that $53 billion, $20 billion of those dollars is federal funding. One-third wow. <clears throat> of the state of Tennessee uh, budget operates off of federal funding. Now, you must understand that every dollar of that federal funding comes with, as this judge puts it, conditions on that federal funding. Strings. Mm-hmm. That's what Strings you're saying. Mm-hmm. That the state must comply with in order to receive that federal funding. And here is the crux of the issue with on several issues, but in particular, the National Guard. We have a state army National Guard that is under the jurisdiction of the state and the command of Governor Bill Lee. However, those soldiers are paid by federal money. And regardless of how we command our soldiers here in the state, whether or not they are paid is determined by the congressional budget, right? And the conditions, quote unquote, they put on that federal funding. So the question is, how do we fix that? And what I want to talk about is, and, and, I'm, and Kevin, I like to dive into federal funding, but where I want to get to is if we call a special session, in my mind, the Constitution of the state of Tennessee gives the legislature no power in this instance in terms of our National Guard, except for one, they have the power of the purse. Mm-hmm. And in, in my mind, the only thing I can see that the, that the legislature could do outside of just pontificating is actually appropriate budget to pay these men and women. And so so what we're saying is, look, we're going to defend the rights of Tennesseans. And if the federal government is not going to pay for our common defense, fine, we'll pay for it. And we'll get into how that could happen later. But that's where we sit. And so, well, the first question that. that needs to be asked is A, do we have the money and we have a surplus of how much? We operate annually uh, on a budget surplus, at least in the last two or three years, two to three billion dollars a year. And how many, if we were to say there are ten to 12,000 National Guard in the state of Tennessee, and if we were to say 10% of them are being denied their 
salaries because they refuse to put a toxin into their bodies. Well, I'm looking at so so I'm looking at the state website right now. The Tennessee Army National Guard, according to our government website, mm-hmm. says that there are currently 10,700 soldiers of the Tennessee Army National Guard and the stat I've heard is that roughly 10% of these soldiers are refusing vaccination. So I'm not good at math in my head. So, okay, so that's 1,070. So let's just say 1,100 soldiers. Mm-hmm. So right now, we we would need to, the state of Tennessee would need to foot the bill to pay for roughly 1,100 National Guard soldiers. And how much are these National Guard soldiers paid? No idea. Part, so part-time work, right? They're called into service, then they go back to their day jobs. Mm-hmm. They're called into service. They do training, like yeah. at specific yeah. times Weekends, throughout. So let's, let's put an. I, I'm. I mean, forty thousand dollars a year is probably too much. I mean, that's what do you, probably a lot. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, but let's just say, let's just guesstimate. I, I have no idea. Let's just say forty thousand dollars a year times eleven hundred. That would be an annual cost to the state of Tennessee to cover these these expenses. Forty four million dollars. And even if you said healthcare on top of that, et cetera, let's say fifty million, right? Okay, around fifty million dollars. So yeah, and and I think forty thousand a year is probably way overestimating. But let's use the rough number of fifty million dollars. Sounds like a good use of taxpayer dollars to me. Way better than paying for Ford or issuing bonds for a new Titan Stadium. Yeah, let's talk about that. But let's let's assume you you operated a two billion dollar surplus. <clears throat> you use a billion of that for Ford. You use half a billion of that for Titan Stadium. Mm-hmm. You still got half a billion dollars left. Yeah, and we're only talking 50 about million using 10% that, of that half a billion. Uh, 50 million fits <laughs> yeah. into that just fine. Well, 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 yeah, the half a billion didn't go away immediately. The interesting thing about the half a billion is that's being done by a bond, bond yep. that's going to cost the taxpayer $55 million annually of interest-only mm-hmm. notes. So we're going to pay up gonna over be more, time more yeah. than a half a billion. Sure, but what you're telling me is that even frees up even more Freeze money. Frees up even more immediate cash. That's <laughs> so, right. That's yeah. what I'm telling okay, you. Okay, this is right. about – so what you're saying is it is almost the equivalent of the interest that we're paying mm-hmm. for the building of a new Titan Stadium. That's a great comparison. We could actually yes. pay for these National Guard. Our servicemen and women. These so, men of so, conscience who, by the way, I would argue – are the most courageous of the bunch. If there's 10% who have the courage to defy when the government is telling to you to do something that violates your conscience, that 10% is probably the 10% that we would like to keep the most. Why not allocate simply the interest payments, right? Agreed. So, so John, so let's play a game. I'm a let. Oh, I'm oh a boy. Le- I like games. Let's do this. I, well, just a simple question. I'm a le- let's <laughs> pretend I'm a legislator. I'm running to be a legislator, but let's just say I am a legislator. Uh-huh. You're, you are a taxpayer. All right. Okay. Um, would you rather, John, would you rather me vote to spend $50 million on an interest-only note to give a half billion dollars to the Tennessee Titans or spend $50 million a year to pay for men and women who are serving in the Tennessee Army National Guard who don't want to be vaccinated? I have a, what would you rather? I have a highly biased opinion, but it would be to pay the servicemen and women. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Who, who, by the way, are probably partly responsible for security, whether people realize it or not. Yeah. Over and around games and things like that, right? If you had a bomb threat, if you had enemy aircraft coming in. If you in had to... a flood in 2010 that almost wiped out the city. Exactly. Come on. National Guard. Yeah. Yeah. 
What are we doing, y'all? That's, hey, let's go back. That's a good let's go back to the federal funding aspect of it. You guys know better than me, probably. So I'm going to ask you this question. But our founding fathers did not establish this system of government with the idea that our states, specifically in Tennessee, our state would be depending on 20% of our budget right. on federal funding. Well, $20 correct? billion, dollars, almost 33, I mean, I mean yes. a, third a third of our budget. A third of our yeah. budget would not be dependent on federal money, correct? I, That's I think, not the original intent. I think not, that certainly not. Absolutely not. If you, if you read the Founding Fathers' arguments, um, they all had concern about the spending of money and the, the free spending of money by the government as being the end of liberty for that very reason. So, because, how, so how do we get out of this? Like, well, obviously, this, we're not supposed to be here, so how do we get out of this it? This very thing, you can't do it all at once, but this seems like the perfect opportunity. So, as Gary says, if we're going to have a legislative session, special or otherwise, appropriating money to pay for our own National Guard would be a great step in getting us off, what do they call it, the government teat, right? Mm -hmm. Getting us off of that. And, hey, we're not, we're not asking the Tennessee government today— to abandon twenty billion, we're just saying fifty million, right? Pay for fifty million. I'll I'll contribute to that with my taxpayer dollars. Mm -hmm. Gladly. Yeah. Mm. Okay. To to call up these men and women where we're in need. I mean that that's what the National Guard does. They are the people that get called to do the jobs that no one else really wants to do. Right. Including two years ago, remember, didn't the governor call up the National Guard to secure downtown Nashville when it was being overrun by mm. Antifa and all the BLM yeah. crowd? Yep. We need these men and women. And it is incumbent, it is the duty of the state of Tennessee to stand up for them, to protect their rights and their liberties, and to ensure that... We are providing for the common – this is what taxpayer – if you would, would imagine what taxpayer dollars are actually for, this is one of the main things, right? Providing for infrastructure, you know, blah, 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 all the things. The providing for the common and defense, defense. Yeah. It's yeah. what we. it's what it's for. Anyway, that's my spiel yeah. on the National Good. Guard. Should we go from National Guard to, to the National Education Let's Association? Let's parlay that into – Let's do it. Oh, my gosh. So let me read from Daily Wire because they have a great little summary of the outrageous positions of the NEA. They've always been radical. But this year, they've kind of come undone. Let me uh, – <laughs> this year, the National Education Association, which is the teachers' union, is voting on calling for a national policy of mandatory masking, creating an enemies list, and rejecting the words – Mother and father, <laughs> right? I'm sorry. By the way, that last part, I know, you can't say it without laughing. They want to replace mother with birthing parent and father with non-birthing parent. <laughs> Which, we know what I find funny is... I uh, am the... I'm, I didn't know... I'm a non-birthing parent. You are. Yes. You are, always have been, by the way. <laughs> and yet... The birth couldn't have happened, Gary. Always will be, too, by the way. Always will be, thank God. <laughs> Biologically, you always will be. <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Listen to this, though. One initiative calls for spending $140,000 on opposition research about, quote, the largest 25 organizations that are actively working to diminish a student's right 
to honesty and education. I don't even know what that means. Freedom of sexual identity and teacher mm. autonomy. In other words, parents can't be telling the teachers what to do. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. Don't get involved, parents. Mm-mm. You have no rights. Yeah. No parental rights in these schools. The NEA is the largest labor group in the U.S. with more than, how, well, here's a game. How many members are in the NEA? Uh, I don't even know what number to throw. Um, I'm going to sound see. like an so idiot. So let's just say uh, 200,000. I 200,000 and one. I don't know, Bob. Three million. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I win. You I won. won the car. You won, John. <laughs> Including who is the most prominent member of the NEA? I have no idea. First Fauci. La- First lady. Oh, Kamala Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Joe right. Biden. Oh. No, no, no. Not, not the vice president. Oh, not that. First lady. I think of her as the, the first lady. She first seems lady. like the first lady to me. Doctor oh. Jill Biden. That's right. Uh, so this is real, though. It, it's not that every policy gets passed because they have to push it through their members. And although they do have three million members, not all three million are radical. But the leadership is radical. And many of these do take steps. And then next year they'll come back and anything they didn't get this year will be advanced. If there was ever any question to anyone whether the NEA was about education or indoctrination, all you have to do is read their platform. So uh, this is interesting because I I have quite a few educators in my family. I mean, wait, three million. There's three hundred and what thirty million citizens in the United States. That's that's one one percent. One percent of the population is a member is of a the member, NEA. Right. That's a lot. That's a, that is a lot. So I have educators in the family. So I when you sent this around the other day, I sent it around to a couple people. This one or the other article that I sent you? The Daily Wire one. Yeah. So um, I wanted to get an an real life, how does this apply? If stuff like this gets voted on and actually passes through this organization's mm-hmm. bylaws or whatever, how does this affect teachers on the ground? And I have a, I won't name him by name because I don't know if he wants me to name him by name, but um, it is a family member in the East Tennessee area. He is a teacher in East Tennessee. And I asked him, I said, how does this affect teachers when stuff like this comes down? He actually just texted me the answer back. He said, and he's actually not an NEA member. He hasn't been for quite a few years because of the stuff that they've tried Mm -hmm. to do in the past. He said the NEA has worked its way out of a lot of the schools over here, meaning over in East Tennessee. Uh, What it sounds like to me is that if they pass it, then it will be up to the school systems themselves to make sure it doesn't make it into their schools. Does or, or doesn't, either way, I guess, depending on the school system. It could either result in a lot of teachers going on strike or districts bending over to have the liberal agenda shoved in. Most likely a combination of both. So, it, it, so the, it, there's this clearly get, influence. There is influence, mm-hmm. but it would come down to the actual school systems themselves, I guess, voting on whether or not they want to institute these. Well, so let me, well, let me just say, actually, in this, uh, this is a point of contention for me because I, I don't want to communicate that school boards actually have this much power. That the fact is. Uh, I believe it's Article 11, Section 12, Tennessee Constitution does, you know, our state's unique in the sense that our state constitution does put a duty on the General Assembly to provide for the maintenance of the free and public education of the state. So we actually have a state constitutionally mandated public education system that doesn't exist at the federal level. The Department of Education is wholly unconstitutional. Yeah. But in Tennessee, we we do have the burden of providing, which, which, which means what I want to point out is that when it comes to defining the powers and the duties 
of a school board and a superintendent of and the state board of education. It begins and ends with our legislature. Our school boards, we've been through this with the mass debate right. and all the other debates. <clears throat> our school boards, local school boards do not re- have that authority. Do not have any authority that is beyond what has been granted to them by our state legislature. So, so are you saying that the school board does not have the school's board system, whatever, does not have the authority to put these policies in place even if the school not not the if the, comes not if that it. authority has not been granted to them by the state legislature. But the problem is the school boards have been given such leeway to mm-hmm. do things that are beyond their authority yes. without the legislature yes. checking their power and, and balancing it and doing what they're supposed to do. And all of us just going along with yeah. it. So that it effectively becomes the NEA. That's why the NEA goes directly, and that's why all the left always goes directly to the school boards and the superintendents, because they become little communist regimes in each community to the extent that the school board is comprised that way. And only when a legislature stands up and says no— can that be stopped? But in Tennessee, we haven't seen any evidence of the legislature standing up to say, no, you don't have that authority. So what's the point? What's the point of the NEA? Oh, to, to, Power. Bully, to bully. Yeah. Yes. Three, three million people. That's a big bully pulpit. It's a huge bully pulpit. But they're not all, not all three million are going to be as progressive as the actual union itself, are well, they? this I person mean, that you know left the union because they were. So I would say that anybody who's still in the union... Obviously, there's going to be degrees, right? But I, if you found out that the union was pushing this, would you stay in the union? No. Either would I. I think if they're three million strong, we have to assume until proven otherwise that all three million feel this way. I think that number is probably significantly overrepresented. And I do think their number is most likely, as you said here, your family member who has recently or whenever he chose to opt out, um, I think that number is going to be dwindling as these policies come into place because it's they're nonsensical this is just it's clearly we are pushing a ridiculous agenda here and as i think we did with covid and as i think is happening with the trans movement this i think still very small but loud vocal group of people is overplaying their hand Mm. and and reasonable people are seeing it for what it is i think i think that's evident with the whole Buzz Lightyear thing. Yeah, a wait. complete complete failure. Wait, wait, wait. Did it did it bomb? Oh, oh yeah. it flopped. Like, oh, oh good. Big time. Oh yeah. Because when that came Tim, out, Tim Allen had his payback. Yeah, when, when that came out, my whole family was like thumbs down. We're like, I can't believe they're doing that. I am. It does my heart good to hear my the, girls the saw the commercials. And I was like, girls, you understand we're not watching that movie, right? And they're like, yeah, we get it. I didn't tell them why, but I was like, we're not going to see that movie. Okay. When did it come out? Uh, so it was like a month ago ish. Yeah, last um, month. It, it was close to ago? the same time Top Gun came out, mm. and it, it only did like— 50. Which was a huge success because mm-hmm. it was like Americana. Without China, by the way. Yep. Yes. Yep. China pulled out because yep. they wouldn't— Because there was a big giant Taiwan patch. I mean, the look, they put the great, patch back on, yeah. That's a great—I mean, Top Gun versus Buzz Lightyear is a great comparison of where I think America actually still mm-hmm. is in terms of the American psyche yeah. and our worldview. Yeah. And if, if elections matter— then that's a good Not thing. Not Top Gun, Maverick. I should sorry. have said sorry. Well, that's still Top Gun. But it still, still inspired people yeah. to go back and rewatch Top Gun. Yeah. How many How many people do you know said, oh, I've got to go back and watch yes. Top Gun? Oh, I did. Yeah. I would say, though, to kind of put a nice little bow on this, 
elections have to matter for this for all of this to matter. Like we know what the American people think. It's evident in the polls what they think about the current administration and all the policies of the left. But if elections don't matter, then we have a real problem because those who are pushing these policies very loudly and proudly, they don't care in any authoritarian regime. They don't care what the people think. Um, So it gets us back to election security being one of the most Mm -hmm. important issues because if we don't have secure elections, it doesn't matter what we think on these issues. Our opinions will no longer matter. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of putting bow on things, putting a bow on this episode, I'm going to turn the tables on Kevin a little bit. Oh, I like it. Uh-oh. Things I would not do as a governor. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's my turn. All right. Things I would not do as governor. It's things I would never, Wait, are, never are do. Are you doing it? I'm things doing I would it. never do oh, as yes. governor. Excellent. Sorry, things I would never do as governor. Love it. The, the John edition. <laughs> I would never stand by silently as my city council claims that Nashville will now put a pause on the 2024 GOP National Convention over security concerns. Come on. So what are their security concerns? Are they specific or just general like, oh, we don't want to be involved? They are, quote, worried about the costs and security risks that come with being the host of the major event, according to reports. Oh, well, because Trump might be there. I mean, it would be just terrible. Security concerns. Interesting. So, so hang on. We can have 50,000 people crowd the street downtown for an NFL draft. Or how many people do we have downtown just just for July July? 4th the other night? Well, last year, I don't know about this year, but 2021, it was 350,000. Or how many people did we have marching down the street as they occupied the Capitol, you know, during Mm -hmm. the COVID nonsense? No no security problems. No security problems. But we're going to worry about the GOP convention. (laughs) Right. The Republican convention. So really, the governor didn't Lee's say anything. Not dangerous. A damn thing to say about He's it. He's been awful quiet. Lately, fired up hasn't about he? this one. Like, hmm. I personally <laughs> lost business off this one. That's why I'm fired up about it. Uh, oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> good thanks. for you. And good for you for being transparent about it. I'm that. just saying, like, the, I'm. I can't be the only one. There was a whole, a whole economy that but lost th- business off this. I, has is that decision final? Well, it's the that city council's decision that it shouldn't go forward. And I, I don't know how much. I was under hang on, the, hang on I was under the impression that there was some jockeying going on that <clears throat> even included. Well, how about we also this is include the, Was- the Democrat National Convention in a later year to kind of this make is the them Washington Examiner that covered it, and they said Nashville's push to be the site of the 2024 GOP National Convention has been put on hold amid rising security concerns, according to the city's Metropolitan Council. Good grief! Interesting security. Nashville. Yeah, John Cooper. You got you've got like one. I don't even know if he's conservative. I think he's at least Republican on the city council, I think. Maybe there's two or three, but the majority of them are very progressive yes. and democratic. Yeah. All the things. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that's what I would never do as governor. Very I like good. It. I like, good job, I like the fact that we've got like a, a John version of that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have good. a different song for it? Uh, I don't even know if we have a song for yours. <laughs> We're still working on that. Okay. We need jingles. Send your jingles too. Yes. <laughs> write your jingle. Hey, that's a great idea. Yeah, write your jingle. As yeah, a listener. Send that to info you, at TennesseeStands.org. There you go. Yeah. If you got a jingle, write it and send it to info at TennesseeStands.org. Awesome. We would love it. We're yeah. short on jingles. Don't, okay, so since you did the things I would never do as governor. Take it. I'm going to invite Joe Rogan. There it is. There's John's thing. Joe <laughs> Rogan, you have you have a open invitation. And, and, and the low-hanging, low-hanging fruit. fruit. Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. <laughs> I stand by that comment. <laughs> 
Well. Joe Walsh. All right, Joe Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan does Yes, the- Joe Walsh can come on, too. Well, he could. Uh, he's probably afraid, though, because he, like, canceled a bunch of, that- bunch of concerts because he's afraid of vaccine. Uh, that or- would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> Joe Rogan does not live here. Matt Walsh does. Just saying. That's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> All right. Ah, that's what you mean. Yes. Geographically low-hanging. Yes, there exactly. Not okay. intellectually. We All love right. you. We love you, Matt. Till next week. And Joe. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. (laughs) 